RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. You know we had to vibe to that Fantasia a little bit. Free yourself. I hope that you are free tonight, ready to kick back and enjoy this great conversation. This, of course, is the show where we hit all the trending topics across entertainment, sports, lifestyle, and culture. I am your host, Jill Monroe. And we're ready to get into some things tonight. Of course, if you aren't already aren't already following us across social media hit us up kbla 1580 hit me up at stiletto jill everywhere and download the app while you're at it so you can take us with you on the go of course if at any time tonight you want to weigh in on the topics feel free to call us up 800-920-1580 we always love getting your calls and hearing your opinions live on air so let me give you a rundown of the topics that we are going to get into tonight. So, you know, Andy always hooks it up. So if you're hearing Fantasia, it's for a reason. Not just because that's a great song, but we're going to get into Fantasia's comments tonight. Um, You know, she is going to be playing Seely in the musical version of The Color Purple that comes out next month in December with a star-studded cast. And in addition to talking about some of the things that she's overcome in her life, she spoke about not needing a stunt double or not wanting one, actually, in the scenes that were abusive. And the reason behind it is pretty interesting. So we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about Exhibit. Remember Exhibit? Rapper, Pimp My Ride. One of the dopest videos, you know, when he was walking through South Central L.A. What was that song called? What You See Is What You Get Now. No, 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 no. I can't remember the title, but it was. Oh, What You See Is What You Get is the title? Okay. Fire. Um, So, and of course, we know he um stole our hearts and pimped my ride. Hooking up all those cars that didn't work afterwards. You know, those non-factory modifications. And things of that nature. And he dabbled, dabbled in acting as well. Well, on a recent podcast, Exhibit talks about how these new artists, they like passion. You know, that's a favorite topic of ours. So we're going to get into that. Andy? I was just going to say, none of them cars belong to those individuals on that show. That none of the cars belong to them either? From, from my understanding. Really? I thought that the cars, like, were theirs. And they signed off that, you know, they understood. That's interesting. I mean, it's possible. I mean, who's going to drive a pimped out ride in Los Angeles like that without uh, being worried about getting robbed? Right. Getting jacked for their stuff. I mean, you know, it was a cute show at the time. It worked. Initially, when it first started, sidebar, y'all, you know we do these. When it first started... I think they were just doing regular, you know, dropping them, putting some fresh Dayton's on them, paint, rims, you know, a couple of TVs and the headrests, that type of thing. But then they started getting outlandish and it was like, what is this? Nobody's going to drive. What are you doing? You know, 
They had more than just the obligatory fantasy hot tub in the back. They they had ridiculous things. But anyway, he talks about these new artists, that they lack passion and that they're not really in it for the love of music. So, of course, we're going to get into those comments. We're also going to talk about cancel culture. Chris Tucker has a new comedy tour coming up. And, you know, he's been out of the comedy circuit for a while. And this is his first tour in several years. And so he says that he's not worried about being canceled because he knows exactly how far to go. So we're going to talk about is there a line? Does the line move? And, you know, things around that. We're also going to get into, you know, Shonda Rhimes, Grey's Anatomy, How to Get Away with Murder, Bridgerton. She is currently in a bidding war, allegedly, for the rights to a biopic. And it's interesting who she's battling against for this biopic, Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. So we're going to get into whose story they're battling for. And if you, who do you think would be the right person as far as a production company and maybe even roles for this particular project? We're going to talk about Kansas City Chiefs QB Patrick Mahomes and why he doesn't wash his draws. Seriously, it's a superstition. We're going to talk about it because, um, you know, this might be a little controversial, but I feel like that is his white adjacent side showing up. A little bit, a little bit. I don't know. I'm just kidding, you guys. Don't storm us. It's just jokes. Okay? Um. We're also going to talk about comments from Lou Will, you know, six-man Lou Will, about the Clippers and the bubble and the bubble championship. He has a reason why he said the Clippers did not win that title. We're going to get into all of those things, plus a little bit more. On the other side, we're going to have a couple of conversation starters for you. You are locked in to RSVP with Joel Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. <laughs> Infusing a sense of fun and entertainment in every episode. You're listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580. You are locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So like I said, we have a couple of conversation starters, you know, things that I want to talk about, but we don't quite have time to get into everything. But we're going to talk about it a little bit because I need to make sure you guys are in the know. So, first up, I don't know if you've heard, but Andre 3000 is dropping a new album on Friday. And I'm going to be honest with you, the song titles, they sound like haiku poems. The album title is New Blue Sun. It is his first project in 17 years. But if you were hoping for a hip-hop album, you are going to be disappointed. It is not that at all. It is actually a flute album. And it's something he's very passionate about. You know, he has been learning and practicing the flute for several years, traveling around the world with it. Occasionally, we've seen video pop up where he's been playing his flute, getting his musical expedition on so to speak and venturing off into new territory he certainly has a lot to discuss 17 years is a long time so you know there are lots of topics he could cover 
He actually did an interview with NPR and he was asked if he would ever release a hip hop track again. And he said, that's not really where his head is at right now. He said, I would love to be out here with everybody rapping because it's almost like fun and being on the playground. I would love to be out here playing with everybody, but it's just not happening for me. He also said that he frequently gets beats from producers, but nothing has been pleasing enough to bring the bars out. You know, it's been said that um, Andre, because of the massive success of Hey Ya and, you know, all the things that happened, that he's like shook, basically, that he kind of internalized a lot of things and it's made him hard um it's made it hard for him to produce music and not that he says that but he does allude to his heart not being really in hip-hop anymore so um Andy you look like you have something to add on this topic well I mean I didn't I didn't know that the last stuff that you just mentioned but um I'm just gonna say that's why he's overrated you think Andre 3000 is overrated? 100%. You think that he just got over because he hit a couple of good bars and went alternative at a time when everybody was doing snap music, trap? I, I don't want to knock his talent. I mean, he, he can rap. I just, I didn't, I wasn't on the train of him being the GOAT. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people have said that he's one of the dopest MCs. And I've never felt that way. Even even before he went pop with the Hey Ya, you know what I'm saying? AT Aliens, Southern California play, playlistic Cadillac music. I've always, I guess, leaned towards Big Boy. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, Three Stacks got bars. And I guess when they switched over to the Love Below uh, speaker box, that's when he kind of lost me. Okay. Did I like Hey Ya? Hey, y'all was cool. Did I like Roses? Roses was cool. But I think at that point, that's when I was like, yeah. Prototype? He, you didn't like Prototype? Prototype was cool, too. But I think that's where he lost me, though. Although those were good songs, I just, at that point, I, I felt like he was just, I guess, expanding. You know what I mean? And, hey, by all means, get your bread. You feel me? Tap into the tap into other markets or whatnot. But when people start calling him the GOAT. You was like, nah. Nah, I'm sorry. I, 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 would, I would say Big Boy is a better MC than Andre Three Stacks. Um, do you think that because, you know, people often say that it's Erica Badu that kind of ushered in the change in him and he just never left that space. Do you think it's because I mean, I would think that you would be tapped into more with Dre. He's, you know, vegan. He's about health. He's conscious expansion. No, big boy. Just cool. Not like that. That's, that's the type of hip hop I want. OK. See, see, and you talk about me, right? <laughs> nah, I could rock with some conscious stuff. You know, I could rock with Kendrick. Just, I, I, I don't know where, where was it where Andre 3000 became, you know, the GOAT? I could understand folks from ATL and down south saying that, but. I think, so, I, I don't feel like, maybe they do. I don't feel like a lot of people say, I feel like they rank him high, like one of the south's highest, you know. They'll, they'll put him up there with, like, you know, the Bun B's and the, you know, whoever you consider your top five is that came from the South. I think that there's an affinity for him and Outkast overall because, you know, of that line at the Source Awards. The South got something to say. They really helped bring, you know, Southern rap ATL as far as a mass consumption thing, I feel like to the forefront at a time when people were really just 
East Coast or West Coast. They weren't really getting too much into what they deemed regional rap. So, but I mean, I can feel your point. I do think that people rank him extremely high from that walk it out verse. That's one that he got a lot of love for. People really went crazy over, um, what was it, Lloyd and you? He ripped that. Um, and then, you know, some of the stuff with Did the outcast. <laughs> You're like, ha, not me. <laughs> like, for example, Beyonce had that song Party, right? Right. You prefer J. Cole? 100 First off, I heard the J. Cole version first. Okay. And I guess that's because, you know, I saw the video. When I heard the song, I was like, really? Andre 3000, he did not match the song, in my opinion. He was too mellow, and it was about partying. Like, what was he talking about? I don't even remember his... I mean, I remember he was on there, but... Exactly. J. Cole just had the swag. It was just perfect. The flow, perfect. Well... Let me read to you some of these track titles from the new album. Track number one, I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. Track two, the slang word kitty, he didn't say kitty, rolls off the tongue with far better ease than the proper word vagina. Don't you agree? Track three. That night in Hawaii, when I turned into a panther and started making these low register purring tones that I couldn't control. Shoot, that was wild. These are the, the titles, accordingly. Now, I don't know if this is really what we're going to see on Friday, but this is allegedly the titles of the tracks on this new Andre 3000 album. For Bipolo Disorders, Daughter wears a 3000 button down embroidered what um track five 93 till infinity and beyonce i'm rocking with that one that's cute i like it track six gandhi dalai lama your lord and savior jesus christ slash bundy jeffrey dahmer and john wayne gacy what do gandhi the dalai lama jesus and serial killers Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and John Wayne Gacy have in common for a song? I guess we're going to see on Friday. Ants to you, gods to who? Dreams once buried beneath the dungeon floor slowly sprout into underlying gardens. I'm telling you, this feels like a troll. It sounds like haiku and poetry. And remember, it's flute. So, not even certain that there's going to be any vocals on this. And, yeah, the fi that's eight tracks. So, listen, I am going to be checking it out, but I have no idea what to expect. I hope it's, like, on some Blue Note jazz stuff, just cool. Like, you know, Saturday afternoon at the coffee shop and the rain's coming down or, you know, a cozy Saturday vibe. I don't know. I have no idea what to expect. I don't even know what mindset he's going to be in at this point in time. Andy? Yeah, who is he trying to market it to? I, I really don't know. And those titles are like, what? <laughs> what? I just, and again, I don't know what space he's in, right? But sometimes it feels like, and this isn't about him in particular, just overall, that when artists are trying to find themselves or a new sound or they want evolution 
that they just step out sometimes into anything just to try and get something going, you know, just outlandish. Like, what are the bipolar disorders? Like, you understand. Yeah, it's a play on bipolar, but it literally says bipolar disorders daughter wears a 3000 button down embroidered. What? What? But okay, Andre, we're going to see, we're going to give you an opportunity and hopefully, you know, I'm sure it'll do well. I'm sure there are people that will appreciate it. Okay, so listen, last night I mentioned Nia Hill. She is married to comedian Bill Burr. She's a producer. Well, there's a journalist who is basically an activist, a far right kind of extremist, says some pretty controversial stuff. And she tweeted out on Twitter a picture of Bill Burr and his wife. Remember I told you she gave Trump the double finger salute at the UFC fight in New York over the weekend. So I guess Laura was reacting to this. So she tweeted out a photo of Bill and his wife. Remember his wife is black. And she said, why is Bill Burr married to this? Isn't he a millionaire? Laughing out loud. If you're a millionaire, prioritize your health and get a personal trainer. There is no excuse for rich people to be severely obese and unhealthy. If you have money, prioritize your health. And I just want to know, why are you picking on the black lady? Why are you trying to come at their looks? I want you guys, if you get an opportunity, to just Google Laura Loomer. Please Google her. And just ask me why the pot is talking to what she believes to be a kettle. She really should get that outlandish enhancement that she has going on together before she like speaks on certain people. I just think it's inappropriate. Uh-oh, 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 is that kiss? In studio with Cameron and Stat Baby. Listen, this is a sidebar. Shout out to Andy. Um, I'm going to check out the live. And you guys know I will be reporting back tomorrow. I'll tell you what. Again, another side. We talked about last night about, you know, husbands and what time they should be home from the club and things like that. I am not married. I, I'm, I'm going to freely say that, right? And I probably, you know, maybe have some unconventional thoughts about marriage. However, she is out of line. I think she's doing a little too much. Like Cameron was laying it on thick. It was very obvious. He reminded, and he is a Harlem dude. He reminded me in that moment of, you know, the old school movies where, you know, the man max down on the woman. And she is a woman of a certain age that grew up around certain types of environments. She knows what's up. Baby girl, you live in Georgia. Cam films in Vegas. So, um, yeah. I don't know. But like I said, I bet you that OnlyFans coin is um lovely right now. Shout out to Fahima in the chat. She says, Jill, perhaps Dre and Lizzo will play on the flute collaborate on the flute together perhaps they will but i don't know lizzo has kind of been 
underground since, you know, her accusations and incidents, you know, the alleged lawsuit came about early this summer. I think Dre is just going to be Dre on his own. And I really don't know what to expect. I have no expectations on my end, but I don't know what he's about to bring out. So we will have to see. Okay, so listen, let's talk about Fantasia, okay? So she is opening up about her role as Celie in the upcoming 2023 musical remake of The Color Purple. We know that Fantasia originated the role in the musical version on Broadway. I think she originated it. If not originated it, she played it for several months, right? And in a recent interview with Variety, she talked about how initially she originally turned down the role when Oprah first approached her about the film role in 2021. She said after having played Steely on Broadway for nine months in her early 20s, Carrying all the trauma of the character was too heavy for her. She said, I carried her every day, all day, and I didn't like that feeling, right? She said she eventually changed her mind about doing the remake after talking with the director, and he assured her that in the remake they would be giving Steely a new voice by allowing viewers to hear her inner monologue. So she says, you get to see how she made it through some of the things that she was going through. And I think that that is also a direct take from the book, because in the original book, there was a lot of inner dialogue that Celie had that, you know, wasn't really shown on screen, per se. So from there. But. She says that she became so dedicated to the role that she refused to let a stunt double handle the scenes where Celie's husband, Mr., beats her. Instead, she said that she wanted to take the punches herself. The actor that plays Mr. Coleman Domingo um, initially refused, but Fantasia persuaded him to change his mind. She said that by taking those hits in this role in character it allowed her to face her past she said I could let go of every man that's ever put his hands on me I freed myself from that that's a pretty deep statement um that's what therapy is for and I know she's probably discussed going to therapy she's talked about you know having an abusive past and I don't know if anyone has seen the Lifetime movie that she had about her life where she played herself. So she went through a lot of things. But um, I guess maybe she is taking on the method acting thing, which I think, you know, I'm not saying it in this instance, can be troublesome. We, we've seen situations where people embrace a role or dig into a role and it seems to take over their psyche and their personality. We're going to get more into that on the other side. You are locked into RS Repeat with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. News and sports is up. RSVP with Jill Monroe is your go-to show for staying in the know. More engaging conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome back in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. You know all that love and heartbreak stuff (laughs) bringing us back in. So we were discussing Fantasia and how she said the role of Celie and not using a stunt performer in the scenes where Mr. 
physically assault her was therapeutic for her because she felt as though she was getting a chance to work through the men in her real life that put their hands on her. Fahima in the chat says, drama therapy can provide the participants opportunities to tell their stories, set goals and solve problems, express feelings or achieve carth... I'm going to jack this up right now. Carth... Okay. We get what you mean. Peace. Catharsis. Yeah. Peace. Right? I don't know why I'm having problems with that word tonight, but we get it. And Andy hooked me up. Um, but don't try this at work. And But I think the key part is don't try this at work. So when you're utilizing your work, when you're acting, you know, there's some people that can get in the scene and bam, they turn it on, you know, whether it's tears, whether it's fear, whether it's evil, whatever it is. And when the cameras stop rolling, they can let that go. But there's some people... Some of them use method acting like Marlon Brando was very famous for someone who utilized method acting to an annoying degree to some of his co-stars. Also, um, is it Jeremy Lamb? He won an Emmy a couple years ago for Succession um, and a couple other shows he was in. Oh, God. What was the Aaron Sorkin drama about? Um it's centered on a case with Bobby Hurley. I'll think of the name in a minute, but he is someone who famously does that as well to the annoyance of other actors he's working with. And even he and Aaron had a very contentious relationship on the set of this movie because of how he approaches his roles. You think about someone like Heath Ledger and playing the Joker and how that kind of dragged him into an unhealthy descent. Jack Nicholson talked about what the role of the Joker did to him and how he warned Heath Ledger about it. And sort of on the same token, on the same topic, Michael V. Jordan recently spoke out about the role of Killmonger and how he had to go to therapy after playing Killmonger because he got so deep into the role and setting himself up for it, he had to find a way to adjust himself and pull himself out. So let's hear his thoughts. You did Black Panther as yeah. well. You had to, did you say you had to go to therapy the to kind therapy. of pull yourself out of that? I know it can't just be three, two, one action and you just, oh, you know, and fall right out. There's no blueprint to it. You know, I think for me, I was, I take every job as a learning experience, you know, and I try to learn something from each one. I try to, I try to grow and I try to grow and I never knew that I had to come out of a character. Mm. that was the first time i was actually mm. like not feeling like myself and i was mm. like man i'm like depressed i'm super like mm. emotional yeah. i'm like, like non-emotional rather you know mm. and um for where i kind of had to go for like eric killmonger like that that was a guy that i that i, I really kind of cut off a lot of emotions and love you know from a lot of people i didn't i was isolated for a long time before i actually started filming mm. and then coming out of it i had to kind of re i had to get used to being around family members and friends mm. and being normal and talking about regular stuff it was like it was a whole different thing and therapy definitely helped me so when i say things like yeah it can be helpful to work these problems out perhaps through a character or a role on screen on screen i also think that you have to take precautions when doing that because we've seen people get lost in their characters. We've seen people develop bad habits 
just because of some of the situations the characters get into. You look at Austin Butler. He played Elvis in the Elvis movie recently. He couldn't shake that accent for months. I mean, maybe it was fake, but you get the idea. People can draw themselves up into certain situations. And the role of an actor is to project out, you know, and to create whole new things. So it's just a little concerning to me, you know, when she says that, one, because I thought she had worked her way through those things some time ago. But then I understand how taking on that role and being in that sort of position can bring those things up. But I just hope that she is also adding therapy to this mix to some degree. Andy? Yeah, same thing with uh, Damson Idris. Yep, he said, that, what, the devil took mm -hmm. over him? He had to go to the darks. Exactly. And that, to me, like, that was just crazy to me. Like... I would not, I wouldn't articulate those words because I am very, how should we say it, cautious about the energy that I bring into my midst and the energy that I create around me. And I just think that there's power in words. And no, there's not intention with every word you speak. But I just feel like certain phrases, certain situations, I would not speak on as far as myself. That's just me. You know, I might be doing too much. But I think, too, when, you know, the actors that you appreciate, there's some actors you see in roles and you're like, ah, oh, they're really just playing themselves with a different character name or whatever. But you know the actors that really get into these things, especially when they are dark characters, you just have to, um, you know, hope that they are maintaining their mental health. We talk a great deal about mental health, so, you know, that's included. So I hope Fantasia is, um, again, taking care of herself. I hear that the movie is amazing. I am supposed to attend a screening this weekend if I can make it. So I certainly, when I can, will give a review and um, let you know everything that I can about it. Also, in switching topics, but still, you know, in the same vein, in the same area of mental health and stuff, really quickly. What's up with your guy, Draymond Green? Tonight was tournament night in the NBA, the in-season tournament. You know, that's on Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, spoiler alert, on Thursday, I'm going to have a special guest that's going to be on to help us break down what the in-season tournament is and some other things. But we'll get to that later. But, um, you know, all heck broke loose in the cross of the NBA tonight. Draymond Green choked Rudy Gobert out. And here's the thing. I suppose Draymond is the type of guy you want on your side if you're going to war. But sometimes I'm like, bruh, you got to chill. Steph, uh, yeah, Steph wasn't in the game tonight. How are you going to get booted too? Was the play that serious? I don't know. I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw highlights of Rudy Gobert's neck and Draymond's forearm and then when Kat Townsend came to kind of try to get in the fray you could tell he wanted really no parts of that because after all it was just a couple of years ago where he was on the ground being choked by somebody what's up with the Timberwolves front line getting choked out what's going on with that are you people trying to imply something but um you know, I just think Cat was off to the side. He's like, mm -mm, not my mess. I'm not getting involved in that. I think Draymond needs to, like, slow it down just a little bit. 
just a little bit. I know that that is part of his persona and his thing. You know, he's the the dirt guy, the blue collar guy, the guy that's going to get in there and work you and make you work for all of that. But I still feel like sometimes he does too much. So listen, <laughs> when we come forward, we are also going to get into a couple of Clipper stories. One, we're going to get into how one broadcaster over the weekend absolutely obliterated James Harden, his thoughts on James Harden's work ethic. And, you know, there's been lots of buzz about the trade not working. And we're also going to talk about one former Clipper who has basically said that, you know, when it came to the bubble, they were just ready to go home. And that's why they didn't win a title. And I'm calling BS on that one. But we'll get into that on the other side. You're locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Trending topics and the hottest happenings. You're listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome back in. Now listen, the Clippers have been clipping. <laughs> As of late, we know that James Harden was recently traded to them. They have had, I believe, five losses in a row since he's arrived. Six. Um, yeah, so um, by all accounts, thus far, hasn't been too successful. Well, a couple of days ago, I believe it was over the weekend, they played in Dallas. Loss. And one of the Dallas broadcasters delivered an epic epilogue about the beard now you can't find this audio anymore on the Bally's network website because some felt that it was a little personal too far but I actually think it was really spot on about James's career especially the past couple of years you know so someone said it to the beat of ether and I think it fits check it out Ask the producer to pipe this into the Clippers locker room so I can talk to you, James. I hope you're taking notes. I'm telling you in advance, you're welcome for the wisdom I'm about to spew. Because, listen, I get on my knees every night and pray for someone to believe in me like Daryl Borey believed in you. You wanted a certain coach, they brought in Mike D'Antoni. You want to play a certain style, they played it. You wanted Dwight Howard, they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him. You wanted Chris Paul, they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him. They brought in your old friend Russell Westbrook. You want to go to Vegas on off days? They looked away. You wanted the team to stay over so you could go out at night. They changed the schedule, and it didn't work. And you know what? You said, I'm going to break up with my whoopee. Not good enough. I see the bright lights in New York. I want to go there. My old pal, Kevin Durant. It's going to work. The big three. And all after one year, you wanted out. You realized, oh, my gosh, I took this guy for granted, the guy that believed in me. I went back with Daryl Morey. They traded Ben Simmons for you. How did they pull that off? And you know what? You went there, and you got a partner who got the MVP. He won the MVP. And what did you say afterwards? You said, they didn't hand me the reins. You're the point guard. You were holding the reins. And what did you do when you had the reins? You scored nine points in Game 7 against Boston. You blew a 3-2 series lead. So they co they fired their coach. Not good enough. You broke up with the guy believing you again. You said, the bright lights of L.A., that's where I want to go. Let's see if that works. Listen, James, have you ever had those friends who had bad roommates over and over they complained about their bad roommates this guy's terrible the bad roommate here 
They never thought to be self-aware enough that they're the bad roommate. They're the problem. Hey, James, you're the problem. If this doesn't work this year in this system with this team, then you're going to go and point fingers at everybody else, and you're going to go back home, and you're going to start swiping right for another team, and there's not going to be anybody left. Because, James, you're not the beard. You're not the system. You're the problem. Oh, oh, and the mic drop, Devin. So, um, yeah, pretty accurate, spot on even. And, you know, we've seen the Clippers look a little confusing. So, um, you know, still early in the season, but, man. This is why I don't understand why Tyron Lue is kind of getting flack and people are questioning whether he's even uh, capable of, of coaching this squad because before James Harden came to the squad, even though the Clippers weren't playing the best, they were definitely playing better than what they're playing now. I guess because here's the thing. How long have Kawhi and PG been together? When did they sign? Has it been five years now? I was about to say three, but it probably is five years. <laughs> I mean, three years ago was the bubble. Okay. So, so it was at least four or five, right? Okay, yeah. So I think the thing with Ty Lu is that you're a championship coach. You are a champion, right? In theory, I think people want to see, okay, we know that your superstars are injured frequently. That's what it is. Point blank. And so um, I think with that, people are like, well, where's the development? That's one of the things that's always highly touted about Ty Lue. And they feel that they've had some pieces around the bench or something. And it's just like, why is it no development with these other players? We get it. PG and Kawhi aren't there, so that hampers you to a degree. But what's up with the development of these other guys, and why haven't you made more headway? Why do they not look like a cohesive team when one or the other, who are always missing for the most part, aren't there? No? Nothing? I don't know about the development of other of of other players per se you know when you have a Kawhi and a Paul George a lot of the time those players they lean on those players right and they're pretty much successful all the way until they get to the playoffs and then you get an injury from Kawhi Leonard that just brings everything down um take it back to the bubble I know we got a clip to play you know what I mean but take it to the bubble I think you could understand what that is every year it was Paul George and Kawhi both of them were injured last year if they were both healthy, I think they would have beat the Phoenix Suns, and I can't. Once I again. mean, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But if 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 we're fifth, I feel like that is the problem that we're always like. Well, if this happens, and if and it it's starting to feel very fantasy like that, we're never going to see anything close to it. And they're not getting any younger, and you know, if the rumors are correct about, you know, Kawhi's health overall. What's the timetable? And when are they going to start making some moves? Because this ship doesn't look to be coming together. But we'll see. Uh, Fahima in the chat mentions the 
uh, Colorado Rose Bowl incident. She missed the show last night, at least the first part, because I discussed that. It absolutely was UCLA recruits. They're not releasing their names. I, for the life of me, cannot understand why you would risk your potential scholarship, you know, for a chain that you're not going to be able to really pawn or get money for. And you can't rock it in photos because, hey, it's identifiable. So, you know, they blew it all just to, you know, try and floss or something like that. But that's how it goes. So the clip with Lou Will, we're actually going to get to next hour. But let me set it up really quickly. We know that the bubble was, um, you know, during the pandemic, obviously a different type of championship. Depending upon who you listen to, it's either one that is considered extremely difficult because you are isolated from your family. But at the same time, everybody, if you listen to Dame Lillard, everybody was fresh. All they had to do was focus on basketball. And then there are others that say, no, it didn't count. You know, we stopped for all of those months and restarted and the bubble just wasn't it. And I have a theory to go along with at least why the Clippers tapped out in the bubble. So we're going to get to that in hour or two. We're also going to talk about Exhibit and why he thinks these new artists lack passion. We're going to get into that and 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 because we have a lot to talk about tonight we're also going to get into um i got a little marcus jordan larsa pippen news for you guys you know they're always interesting and we're going to talk about patrick mahomes and why he doesn't wash the game underwear that he wins in and what he actually does when he wins with them yeah i won't say it's interesting but it's a fact to know. I wonder how his teammates feel about this information. We're going to get into all of that on the other side. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580, Hour 2.